Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. People are capable of amazing acts driven by a committed will, but in order for our wills to consistently line up with God's, we must take ourselves to the right places. First, we must take ourselves to the vantage point where we see what God has done for us and is doing before us. He is present. See that in your mind's eyes before you make your choice. And before Him, declare what it is you are determined to do. One of the great changes that takes place in the life of an individual who has been born again is that he has introduced to himself all kinds of new desires and new appetites that weren't there before. God places in us a desire to do what is pleasing to Him. God gives us with that desire a power to do what is pleasing to Him. And this change is reflected in a new determination, a new willing that begins to express in the life of the Christian. What I'm doing is I'm suggesting that you cultivate in your life a determining that is based upon the new thing and the new work that God has done in your life. Those things where you know you've been given an impulse to please Him. You know that He's given you a longing to do right. You rally yourself to those things and you declare yourself to be resolved in those things. I have been born of God to obey His will. And I am going to obey His will. I want to suggest to you that it's a good idea to make some declarations about the intent and purpose of your life and remember them as your life goes on that accord with what God has done in your life if you've been born again. This won't make six if you haven't been born again. If you haven't been born again, these are just like New Year's resolutions. They'll fall apart in about two weeks. But if you've been born again, you're reaching into what the Spirit of God has put in your heart to do and you're declaring and agreeing with Him. So, I would say to my children, you need to kind of think what's going to guide your life. And what I would suggest is that you determine that the whole pursuit of your life will be to know the Lord Jesus Christ in everything you do and everything you say. That the whole pursuit of your life will be to be a pursuit of loving the Lord Jesus in everything you do and everything you say and every choice you make. And if you'll do that, if you'll just go after Christ and after the knowledge of God, God will lead you into tremendous places of service and impact. And God will keep you from any grave error in your life. David Livingston, the missionary to Africa, gave this as his pledge. He prayed this, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties but the tie that binds me to your service and your heart. Just want to do what you want me to do and nothing else. You find a declaration like that and you'll find them and you'll find them in great Christian biographies, but God can give it to you by your spirit. You find a declaration that is in keeping with what the Spirit of God has done and provided in your life as a born-again, regenerate child of God and what God has done in your life and what God has given you power in your life to accomplish. And this determination to seize upon this new thing that God has done in your life can be stated positively. 
I will follow him. I will obey him. I will keep his commands. I will honor him. I will seek to love him with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my soul and all of my strength. But it also can be stated in the negative as well. Listen to Susanna Wesley's defining of sin to her children, to her son John. Hear, hear a negative way of declaring what we need to be doing in the positive. She said, son, whatever weakens your reasoning, whatever impairs the tenderness of your conscience, whatever dulls your sense of the presence of God, or takes away your enjoyment and desire for spiritual things. In short, if anything increases the authority and power of your flesh over the authority and power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then that thing to you becomes a sin, however good it may seem in itself. Put that in your mind. Make that your declaration. So you get your vantage point of all God has done for me and all God is doing at this very moment, wanting to commune with me all things. And then you make yourself declare that you are going to live your life based upon what God has purposed for you in regenerating you and redeeming you. And you make it known. You move on from there. But you say something like this. We sing a hymn. Here's my favorite him. My goal is God himself, not joy, nor blessing, nor even peace, but himself, my God. Tis his to lead me there, not mine, but his. By any road, at any cost, I want to know him. That's it. You make that your declaration. You keep that in mind when you make your choices. Here's the next angle of the will. So there's the perspective of the will, the vantage point of the will. There's the declaring and declaration of the will. The next one here is, there's the laying down of your will before God. There is the sacrifice, you might say, of your will. And here's a sacrifice that goes deeper than saying, I choose to do what is right. It's the point at which you kind of say, you really say, I no longer choose. God chooses. I no longer choose, you choose. By God's grace, you come to the point or a crisis in your life where Jesus helps you to speak out words after him of complete and utter surrender. Up to that point in time, you may have said, I will do what God wants me to do. I will do. I choose to do what God wants me to do. And finally you say, I don't even do it on the basis of my choosing. You choose. You guide. You lead. You fill. You accomplish. In self-denial, you say, not my will. Not even my will to do the right thing. Not my will, but thy will be done. Actually, there are a lot of things that we know along these lines that make sense, and we might ascend to them intellectually, but God graciously will not let you know this thing simply as an intellectual thing. God will bring you to points and places of misery and trial and difficulty and hardship in which God lays his hand upon you, and you know the only way out from it is the total, absolute surrender of your will to him. Thank Him when He does that. If you've never experienced that, God bring you to that point. Tremendous and utter crisis in which you seek to gain nothing for yourself and to apprehend nothing for yourself, but to be laying down before the Lord. No dream of success now resides in this place. No desire for the future is being pursued. No notion of what you want to achieve in your life is trying to be accomplished. But now you just come before God and you say, God, all is out before you. Just do your will in my life. You can have my child. You can have my family. You can have my husband. You can have my wife. You can have my job. You can have my reputation. You take it all. It's no longer 
an abstract truth that we agree to, but God bring me to that moment so it becomes real and genuine, where I'm prostrating myself before you and I'm saying, not my will, not my will, not my will. The song that we sang a couple weeks ago, it was written by Benjamin Schmullock, the Lutheran pastor, and it was written after he'd lost all of his family and after he was struck down with an illness that actually left him blind and paralyzed. And lying in his bed, he dictated the words to this hymn, My Jesus, as thou wilt. The first line goes like this. My Jesus, as thou wilt, O may thy will be mine. Into thy hand of love I would my all resign. Through sorrow or through joy, conduct me as thine own. And help me still to say, my Lord, thy will be done. You come to that crisis of laying all before the Lord, and once having come to that crisis, you renew it on a daily basis. That's taking up your cross. The cross of self-denial, the cross of putting to death the impulses and desires of your own flesh, and you, you let it all die there. And then following that, there's one more angle, and it's the practice of the will. Without the culminating of the laying down of your wills, you'll never probably get to this place where you actually practice that will in such a way that it consistently does what God would have you do. I can tell you this, it is possible for you periodically to choose to do noble and right things. It's even possible for you to carry it out for a period of time, but sustain it over any lengthy period of time, there's going to have to be this new vantage point, there's going to have to be this declaration, and there's going to have to be this absolute surrender. Otherwise, you'll do a noble thing once, but it won't continue in your life. You'll do something grand and great that someone can talk about, but it'll be followed up by great and grand betrayals unless God takes you to the crisis of laying all things before him. We started out by thinking of the story of David and the noble act of pouring out water that had been brought to him in the midst of a battle from behind enemy lines from the well in Bethlehem that he had drunk from as a child. And yet he wouldn't drink that water because he understood that there was something more valuable than his own desires and his own will, what he willed and what he wanted. There was something greater of value in the greatness and value of other people and their blood and their lives. And so he wouldn't betray the value of the human lives that were risked to give him that water. And, and by the way, I'll just tell you this, that oftentimes when you're pursuing your own selfish desires, what you have to do is you don't simply push away God and the importance and value of God in your life, but you push away the importance of others as well. Because ultimately you decide what I want is more important than the people around me. And you begin to roll past those people who would even try to stop you from doing things or inhibit you from doing things. And you would criticize those and you would chastise those and you would castigate those and you would turn yourself from those or be resentful towards those who simply crossed your will. Usually when we sin, we're not simply devaluing God's power and His life and His purpose and His meaning in our lives, but we're devaluing others around us as well. When we act in this way, we're saying that what I want is more important. We're not pouring the drink out on the ground. We're drinking it in their presence. Ah, thanks, guys. Can you give me some more? The sad part about David is that obviously David didn't sustain that through a crisis of utter and complete surrender to God. Because following that great noble act, some time later, he was sitting on the walls of his palace and he saw a woman. 
What if David had made the same decision that he'd made when that water from Bethlehem had been brought to him of the value of blood and human life when he looked upon and didn't objectify the woman of Bathsheba? And he thought instead of the value of blood and human life. What difference would have made? If he had kept the right perspective and the right vantage point and he had made his declaration and he had in it come to the crisis of absolute surrender where he laid everything out before the Lord. What would have happened if David had reacted on that day in the same day that he reacted when the water was brought from him from Bethlehem? Instead, there was a fallen perspective, a failure to declare God's truth and God's will, and a failure of laying down himself before the Lord. G.K. Chesterton said, there are many angles at which you can fall, but there's only one angle at which you can stand. These are the angles at which you stand. God, I know what you've done for me. God, I know what you're doing right now in my presence. I hold that in my mind as I choose. God, I know what you've purposed for me and why you've begun this work in me, and I declare myself to be in agreement with it. I will to do what you want me to do. God, I lay my life before you. It's not my life to live. It's not my will to choose. Your will, your choosing. It's the place at which we stand. And we follow him and obey. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thanks for joining us today at Bread of Life. This broadcast is a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Our desire for the Christian community of our area is to see growing believers committed to knowing Christ and making him known. To that end, I trust that God is at work in your life. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. That's 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.